Hello and welcome to Media the Made, the show in which we, year by year, explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. When we say our, we mean us, the hosts. I'm your host, Rod, and I'm joined by... Jess. <laughs> and uh, the gimmick of our show is we, year by year, decide between the two of us which movie, or movies, which TV show, and which musical album each of us had listened to or watched the most mm-hmm. from that year. Look at a big old list, read them all. Very big list. Yeah, we read off all the releases of that year. We don't watch every release, we just choose the one that we, we go, yeah, that's the movie that we watched the most. Are you okay? You look you look like you've been reminded of something terrible. I, I said, it's a very big list, and I was just like, I hate myself. <laughs> Sorry. Hate yourself for having read through every movie released in 1986? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least 86 is not as the, oh, lo- the list is not as long as 2006 <laughs> Oh, so many things Yeah, yeah we're, gonna, we're gonna do this year by year Anyway, uh, here we are, 1986 uh, height, of, height of Reaganomics um, the, the shine is starting to come off a little bit <laughs> <laughs> But you know what, there's some great movies Great TV shows, great music released that year That's true, did we partake in any of those? Um, sort of <laughs> Can't necessarily guarantee that those great things were things that we watched for this podcast. But, but here we are. Um, so, <laughs> we're gonna, we're, I guess we're just going to jump right in. Uh, we're going to talk about my film from 1986. The movie that I've seen the most from that year. And that is, what? American Death! American Tale. So young and you have lost hope. Ah, oh, this is America, the place to find hope. If you give up, you will never find your family. America, the, the place where you can find hope. That clip didn't age well. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, released November 21st, 1986, featuring the voice talents of Philip Glasser, John Finnegan, Christopher Plummer, and Dom DeLuise, directed by Don Bluth. Woo! We have American Tale. The only thing good about this movie is the fact that Don Bluth is involved. Yeah, um, I can get into that. But um, basically, uh, <laughs> American Tale follows the story of Fivel Mauskowitz, who is a, a Jewish immigrant from Russia in the 1800s. Um, he gets separated by his family on the journey there and basically gets lost in a 19th century New York City. He has to find his way home. Mm-hmm. He He... You know, encounters a lot of uh, strange characters and uh, racist stereotypes and, and and other such things. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, was this the first time you've seen no. American Tale? Did you see it as a child? Yes. 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 Because we were a Bluth family. Oh yeah. <laughs> I I saw this movie for the first time. I assume in daycare mm. when, when I was because my parents were both working. Uh, they would put me in daycare. I was in daycare from probably freaking like one year old to, to five years or six years old, you know? <laughs> and my memories of that were going there, doing arts and crafts, and watching video, like VHS tapes of cartoons. And it created the, the illusion or, you know, the false memory that all of these movies, like I, I watched classic Disney, mm-hmm. Bluth, Looney Tunes, uh, uh, Peanuts, all of those things, they were all released when I was a kid, which is not the truth. <laughs> a lot of this stuff was released before I was born. But in your head, it's like, yeah, all, all these things came The out world this... did not start until exactly. I got here. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we were definitely watching things from the 80s and the 70s, 60s, so and so on. Um, yeah. So I, we watched uh, American Tale. Um, I remember, like, 
my childhood memories, I remember the sequel more than I remember the original. Does the sequel have swashbuckling cowboys? It, it's cowboys, yeah. Fava Goes West. Uh, um, I don't, you know, and that's the thing. It's like, I, I remember watching that, but I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> I don't remember anything that happens, and I keep wanting to mix it up with the America, uh, the, 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 the rescuers down under. Oh. Yeah. I don't have that problem. <laughs> you know, where there's like a bald eagle and, and a... Alligator. A, a poacher uh, kidnaps a young boy. Um, yeah, that, that, anyway, unrelated, American <laughs> Tale, you know, they're all mice. They're all mice. Um, I, I think American Tale was actually, uh, like, partially inspired by the rescuers. When, when they were wanted, when they were making it, they considered just having a world of mice. Oh, yeah. wait, the rescuers are at Disney? Yeah. Okay. And they, they were, like, 20 years before. Got it. Um, they wanted to make, like, they were just gonna have, like, just mice living in their own world, you know. But then they came up, they saw the, re- you know, they, they recalled the rescuers and thought it would be more fun if the if mice and other animals had a hidden world in our own that we never knew about, you know. And they just, you know, it was just just like our own. They had, yeah. you know, racism and, 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 and class. It'll be fun if we make a whole world where there's still racism and class amongst inequality. rice. Rice amongst mice. Yeah. Um. It, it's an allegory. Yeah. You know? And uh, let's get into the, the background, I guess. I mean, from your, like, before I go there, like, your 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 memories of this as a kid. Nothing jumps out? You just... No, honestly, I feel like I know that I've watched it. Um, and until I had to watch it again as an adult, because my husband had a bad, bad taste as a child, uh, I just fondly remembered it as a movie where a child was separated from his family in a new country and had to find his way back home. Watching it as an adult, I have very different feelings. <laughs> very different. Well, let's get into the background how this movie was made. Um, we've mentioned his name several times. Don Bluth. Woo! Uh, Bluth gets the flair woo. Woo! Don Bluth! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Don Bluth worked in animation since the 50s. Uh, having worked on uh, Filmation's The Archies cartoon show, hmm. um, and uh, several Disney classics from Sleeping Beauty to The Rescuers. So, oh, yeah. Um, in 1979, he, th- this is quite a famous coup. He and his he and a group of fellow Disney animators left Disney to form Don Bluth Productions. He took all of the brightest minds from Disney because he thought that they weren't making the type of cartoons that Walt would have made if he was still alive. Oh, okay. He's, he was like, they've lost their soul. We want to make features like we did, like they did in the classic era, you know, like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and mm. Pinocchio. They're not, they're, they're making garbage. And Wait, gonna... so they just wanted to remake grim fairy tales and, and uh, they, I, you know, Hans they had, Christians and stuff. They, they had like this, like, you know, uh, uh, idealized version of, of like classic Disney and they wanted to bring that back. You know? Oh, that sounds American. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> honestly, I'm like, I, I, I commend the, the guys for being like, Hey, we're going to make something more of our own. We're going to leave this big corporation and we're going to, we're going to make it out on That's our fair. own. But as far as that, it's like Don Bluth left the company in 1979 Formed Don Don Bluth Productions, and uh, basically was like the first company to truly challenge Disney at the box office. Mm. Um, he uh, the Don Bluth Productions produced The Secret of Nim in 1982 uh, to critical praise and a meager box office return, but it proved that uh, like another company could stand up to Disney and, and be successful. You nice. know? And it's like it, it's funny. 
1979, they leave. They release The Secret of Nim, which is much beloved. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good movie. It's, 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 pre- it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, from, like, then until the end of the 80s, Disney was in a... They had a hard time. Mm. They were losing a bunch of money. None of their, none of their films were, uh, like... Award winning, yeah, 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 money they, getting. They're not even memorable. Like the uh, Black Cauldron. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, okay. You hate the Black Cauldron. It's terrible. And you also hate the Sword in the Stone. Well, that was a little bit before. Okay. This. Yeah. No, like their '80s movies were like uh, Black Cauldron, Oliver and Company. You're just naming movies that you have a personal vendetta against. I hate them. <laughs> Did they? I mean, okay. I will say. It, historically, you can say fiscally, they weren't in a good place. No. So that backs up your um, claims that those movies are bad. Well, again, <laughs> we may talk about these movies later on. <laughs> so uh, they released Secret of Noom. They're off to the races and they're like, all right, cool. We can do this. But there began Bluth's cycle of bankrupting a company and then starting a new one immediately. Uh... You see, as much as people want to like commend... Don Bluth for being like a great artist, great mm-hmm. visionary. He's a, you know, he had a lot of passion for the for the medium, um, for his craft. But he's not a businessman. Yeah. Sometimes you need to make a deal with the devil. You got to make a deal with Michael Eisner, <laughs> you know, and 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 get your movies well marketed and financed and stuff in order to continue to make the great art that you want to make. Mm. Um. So and, and you know he he was not very good at that. So, Don Bluth Production goes down in 1983. Oh. They're out of money. So, he starts a new company called The Bluth Group. <laughs> Sounds like... I'm Bluth, uh, but you... <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Goof Troop. <laughs> um, then, uh, The Bluth Group. They, they make some shorts and things. They ran out of money in 1985. Oh, wow. So, he teams up with a businessman named Morris Sullivan to form the Sullivan Bluth Studios. And, uh... Yeah, this cycle will go on for years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Run out of money, start a new one. Run out of money, start a new one. Where does he get the money to start a new one? It's like weird investors like okay. Morris Sullivan. Fair. You, you know? Um, where does he get his money in the 80s, right? Morris Sullivan, he creates that. Luckily, he's got a good friend named Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the, An American Tale was a collaboration between Don Bluth and producer Steven Spielberg, who was at the height of his powers. Uh... It's like, if you got Spielberg behind you, in the 80s, up until like the mid-90s, it's going to get made. Steven, I expect more from you than this movie. <laughs> Do not co-sign on something like this. I it think, was a different time. I think Steven Spielberg saw, saw a lot of like his family history in this movie. That's why okay, he was not invested with it. You know, it's like you want to see like positive portrayals of like, you know, Jewish culture and mm-hmm. like, you know, Jewish history in, in animation. And he was interested in animation. He's like, hey, yeah. this is great. You know, I'm like, I, I, I'm not mad at Steven for that. Yeah. I just want to take a small break right here to say that it is a movie with good aspects and I'm being very critical right now because there was a thing that bothered me so much that the rest of the movie is trash in my opinion. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not. I do want to say like, yeah, I can see him seeing his family history and I can see like the struggle and classism and him being an allegory, an illusion. Allegory. An allegory. Um... All that being said, all that artful and deep think stuff said, I hate it. <laughs> you may continue with your yep. history. Sorry, <laughs> I, that, that's that's pretty much it. You know, Stephen came in, he he helped develop the story, he supplied the cash, they were ready to go. <laughs> um, oh man! All right, let's uh let's talk about this movie. Okay. All right, so the movie starts. We got a uh, 
We are introduced to our main character and his family, the Mouskowitz. They live in... Mouskowitz. Where do they live? Uh, Russia. They live in Shotska, Russia. Shotska, Russia. Shotska. Shotska. Which is uh, now the Ukraine. Shotska, Shotska. Yep. Um, it's, it's Hanukkah. Oh. And for you, Pavel, a new hat. And not just any hat, a new hat that has been in the family for three generations. An old it hat. belonged to yep. me, my father, and my father's father. And now, it belongs to you. This hat will will be the doom of you. <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Mouskowitz, they are um, dealing with uh, oppression by uh, Russian cats in their thick Russian hats. <laughs> Um, it's dangerous, there are fires, and they need to get the heck out of there, so they decide they're going to move to America. Because? They they this, they talk about America, and they're like, oh, what a place, what a place. You know, it's like this weird idealized version of America, and they, they get there, and they, all, of their misconce- all of their preconceptions of America are all false. Yep. 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 They don't find it out immediately. Yeah. But they do. I guess I'll play that. I'll play that song. The, the the like the biggest thing that they think about America is that our family uh, was traveling through the this snow. This is a song early in the movie. Suddenly, Papa saw those huge paw prints. When I heard him screaming, I fainted dead away, and I woke up an orphan. I actually like the verse of this song. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like this. But, but, but there are no. stop i need to stop that i I, I can't stand that song it's terrible i'm singing it (laughs) i'm not gonna stop singing it for days except for that other song that we're probably gonna play and that's the song that's gonna get stuck in my head um yeah so there are no cats in america the streets are paved with cheese it's the land of opportunity yeah i would like to point out that Mm -hmm. it's not that they were wrong about there not being cats in america i mean they were wrong but it's just that they had old information because technically there weren't cats in America until people brought cats over because cats are not indigenous to the Americas. I mean, small cats, like domesticated cats. Yeah, was like cougars? Cougars. <laughs> we got some cougars down in South America. We got some jaguars, some leopards. Why is the voice doing this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but small cats, yeah. No, we didn't have that. Though... Um, I just want to point out, there's still owls in America, my friend. <laughs> Good luck with that, Fievel. It's surprising he wasn't picked up by oh, a, gosh. A, a winged predator. Just just a pigeon. Yeah. Um, so they get to America, and it is not what they expected. Fievel actually, he, he immediate, look, immediately gets separated from his family. Not even, They're not even off the boat yet. Okay. You're right. And this is my biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. So in order to streamline this experience, because uh, we, we can't sit here and like just like talk about the movie beat by beat. We'd be here forever. We would. We uh, have. Yeah. So <laughs> what we're going to do is each of us have come prepared with two thoughts about the movie. The positive, negative, doesn't matter. Two thoughts. We will present them. Um, I'll let Jess go first because I know where she's going to go with this right now. I have never wished for the death of a character so much. I mean, other than Shane from Walking Dead. But seriously, Fifle should have died in that first act. 
and then we would have all been okay. He was like, oh, I want to go explore the ship. Like, no, stay inside. What are you doing? And then he like goes outside and then he throws, he like loses his hat and then he looks and he's like, oh, I want to see the fish outside in the middle of a storm while this boat is rocking ceaselessly. And his dad's like, Bible, could you come back, please? And Bible takes his hat and throws it up deck. And it's like, I got to get my hat. And I was like, drown, you stupid rat. According to my notes, that is the third time uh, Fievel looks in the face of death and runs straight toward it. Um, I have three different clips, and there are more throughout the film, but I just collected three. They're all called Stupid Kid. Oh, I hate the stupid kid. Uh, I want to play the first one, because this is while well, they're still in Russia. They have not even left their home yet. And Fievel decides he there's, there's some cats attacking their village, and he thinks, I can take care of this. Don't cry, I'll scare him away. <laughs> I will scare away a roving band of cats. Oh my gosh. Well, everyone's like just trying to shush him up so yeah. that they don't come into the house. He runs out there and like gets, I think, like gobbled up by a cat. And he, he, has, he has to escape its mouth. <laughs> That's true. That is what happens. Should have died. Yep. And then like while they're getting on the ship... Um, he's, he's like, he's one of those like little kids that just wants to look at everything and touch everything and, and just like be, be a nuisance to everybody. Like mm-hmm. there's a line of characters all walking up a, 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 a rope. rope onto the ship. The little mice, they're, they're, you know, scurrying up this mm-hmm. little rope. Everyone's single file. Five will just keep stopping and, yeah. and, and, and causing people to fall off the rope. Yep. <laughs> Like you've never Keep seen a walking. bird before. You were in. <sighs> Keep walking. <laughs> I hate the stupid character. And the 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 piece of piece of the resistance. I, I can't even say that. Piece de resistance. The the clip that you alluded to earlier. I'm getting my hat, Papa. He he like looks down. He he's like he says, "I'm getting my hat, Papa." The hat is in his hand. He then looks at the hat. Looks up at this open door onto the deck of the ship where there's a storm and rain rushing in. He throws his hat outside so that he can, you know, not lie about getting his hat. <sighs> he just wants to see some fish flopping on the the deck. I just, I just hate him so much. This was like 13 minutes into the movie. Yeah. yeah. Maybe less. Yep. And, and we were convinced... Yeah, he should be an example of uh, of natural selection. Gosh, I just <laughs> this character should be dead. Uh, <laughs> this is why we have true grim stories to show kids not to wander off into the stupid. What like I, okay, fine. Kids point and at stuff. I get it. Kids are kids, but he did too much. Yeah, just leave that. Just leave that kid in Russia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so upset. He. Why did we have to watch this movie twice? He was, he was actively deceptive to his father and, 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 and disobedient. He should have paid the price. He should have paid the price. <laughs> anyway, he gets swept overboard. This is probably why you were disobedient as a child because you watched movies like this. Hey, I was pretty obedient as a child. Let's talk about the Blue's Clues day. Oh, no. <laughs> yes, I did a uh, fake being sick. To stay home from school to watch Blue's Clues on TV. But that's beside the point. I was more clever than Fievel. <laughs> oh gosh, I fear for our children. <laughs> anyway, he gets swept overboard. 
um, somehow survives by getting stuck in a in a in a bottle. Yeah, and he, and he floats. Which he should have drowned in. It's like he 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 must have fallen off. That storm must have taken place like just off the Hudson River because <laughs> he's able to float right into New York, right into the bay, right near the the, the yep. Statue of Liberty. Not a problem. Not a problem. He's home. <laughs> and now he needs to go on a quest to find his fa- to find your family. <laughs> All right. What's your what? What else do you want to talk about? What's your uh, next point there? It's technically like not a point. <laughs> it's just in line with. There's just so many acts. There's just so many acts. It's one of those. It's it's like Pinocchio. I I, I think like he wanted to go back and make movies mm-hmm. like Disney used to make. Right. It's very Pinocchio where it's episodic. Yeah. It was like he meets well. a character, goes on a little adventure. That character leads him on to the next character. He's like gets handed off like a mm-hmm. baton to different characters, and it's supposed to be like they get they do a little thing, they do a little thing here. He, yeah. He hears some music. He decides to run over and almost get killed by a train. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't mind it in Pinocchio because I don't wish for Pinocchio's death. <laughs> no, I do. <laughs> Pinocchio's he's also a liar. <laughs> okay, fair. Yeah. But I also haven't watched Pinocchio. I think I've seen it once in my Five entire life. Michael really is just a Pinocchio. Oh well, he's a, then, he's a liar. He's disobedient. Then I probably would he's be gull- too. He's gullible. <laughs> I, speaking of gullible, he meets a character named uh, Warranty Rat. <laughs> well, 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 uh, that's the name, Warranty Rat. What can I do with you for, kid? I'm looking for my family. Hey, you come to the right fella, kid. I know exactly where they are. And he just takes this guy at face value, even though he's... I've just met this stranger. <laughs> yeah. That specific moment, I remember when we were watching it, made me think of uh, The Man From Nowhere. Just that spot. Sorry, it's just... It's a Korean, there's a Korean movie called The Man From Nowhere. Yeah. Uh, it's Korean name is Ajisi. And... Um, Whatever, there's just a scene where, like, a little girl is like, I want my mom. And a woman's like, she's just up these stairs. And does the same thing that Warrantine Rat does, which is shove her in a room and then use her for... Child labor. Child labor. This is Whittier. Papa! (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That scene right there of, like, they're standing outside an open door. And Fievel can see into the door, but... uh, us, the viewer, cannot. And she just, just opened there. He's like, ah, oh, there they are. And he like looks at this open door. He goes, Papa! And a gi- gigantic, muscly hand reaches out from the door and pulls him in while he screams. It's a terrifying. Yeah, that, mo- <laughs> that, that moment stuck with me from when I was a kid because I remember that specifically. Oh. Um, yeah, so just the fact that it's episodic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mostly because I just want to be done with the character. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh. So that, yeah, it was hard for me to, like, have things stick out. Were there any other characters that you remember or, or thought it, I don't know, jumped out to you? I mean, Wowie. Oh. Who's that? Uh, the rich lady. As you know, I have dedicated my wife to helping those less fortunate than myself. Uh, that's everything. That is the character... Goosey Mausheimer. <laughs> uh, she is a wealthy aristocrat who says she wants to help the, the less fortunate um, while also being repulsed by them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. She's like a, you know... Socialite. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and she has a speech impediment that after watching this movie again for the show, uh, we can't stop quoting her. Yeah. <laughs> and now I want you to help me. We must have a Huawei. A Huawei? What's a Huawei? Wow. You know. A Huawei. Oh, 
a large gathering of mice for a reason. Oh, a rally. That's what I said. A rally. A wowie. A wowie. Yeah, so we, we may, uh, from time to time in these shows, uh, discuss <laughs> scenes or lines that we just repeat to ourselves that have become running jokes. Yes. Um, so there you go. That The show is about movies that invaded our lives. This this movie invaded our lives by giving us the, the wonders of wowie. Mowage. Mowage. Which is, those are the three. It's wowie, mowage, memore. Memore. <laughs> Yep, and uh, I also want to a shout out to to my favorite character, Young Tony. Oh yeah, Tony Tony is the name. Put it there, uh, Spyro, Spyro Mouse Quiz. Spyro, mm, that name's got a goal. Hey, I'll tell you what, the Philly, Philly, yeah, fits you perfect. Philly, Philly. <laughs> Wait, that's another. We we also say that often. We do. Phil, Philly. Um, Tony is a, 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 a child laborer, just like Fievel is mm-hmm. forced into. Uh, they decide to escape together, um, and they go off on a little adventure. Tony's like a street smart uh, kid. He, 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 just like Fievel's father, tries to convince Fievel to obey uh, and, and, you know, and not get himself killed. But Fievel uh, diso- disobeys him as Fievel well. Fievel don't gotta listen to no one. No. <sighs> um, the, speaking of Philly, uh, that brings me to my first point. Um... The, the the fact that he's ch- his name is changed from Fievel to Philly because Fievel is just too ethnic. Yeah. Um, actually has its roots in history. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a clip from from Ellis Island as uh, the Mousekowitzes are uh, entering the mouse. Yeah. Imports. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're entering uh, uh, New York. They got to go through uh, you know immigration. Name, Volodny Dromovichki. Okay, Mr. Smith. <laughs> okay, Mr. Smith. I like that they added that in. Yeah. Because they're like, oh yeah, uh-huh. And, and like, uh, Fievel's sister, Tanya, gets renamed to... Uh, uh, Cammy? Tilly. 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 How's Tanya hard? I don't know. Um, but that li- that literally uh, yeah. happened. Uh, uh, immigrants would come in. If they if their name was too ethnic, oh, tell me about it. Yeah, I, I, yep. Yeah. So my my first point is like this 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 movie. What I th- my favorite part of this movie is the fact that it is historical, and mm-hmm. the setting. At least I think there was enough interest in presenting a 19th century America f- with all its wrinkles and boils and you know all, all the smudges. Uh, kind of present there. Mm-hmm. Um, he, they run into a character named Honest John, who's like a, po- a local politician. And his introduction scene is at a funeral for a, for oh, a mouse. Oh, yeah. Poor lad, so young, he never had a chance to vote. Well, he'll vote from now on. I'll see to that. And you see him add his full name to a, a little note that says ghost votes, <laughs> which is a real thing that happened. Local politicians would go into like ethnic communities in large cities and either intimidate uh, uh, like impoverished people into voting for, for whoever they wanted mm-hmm. or they would, you know, sign dead people up on the voter rolls and all this like corrupt stuff. And that's this character, and he's a good guy. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of stuff in yeah. here that I'm like, but what lesson are we teaching? Right. It's like, as a kid, it's like, 
right over right my over head. head. Yeah. yeah, but as an adult, I'm looking at it thinking, like it's funny. Yeah, that is a that is a funny caricature to have. Mm-hmm. This character named Honest John, who um, is named after the 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 wolf from uh, Pinocchio. So another oh, okay. tie in there. Yeah, he's out there, <laughs> out there hustling, dishonest. Yep, as all politicians are. Huh. What the the I guess the only other scene in that vein that jumps out to me is uh, the this a, a scene that I recall back from from when I was a child. Like this is a scene that jumped out to me. It takes place on a still in construction um, Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. He meets a was a pigeon. Yes, <laughs> he, meets, he meets a pigeon named Henri. <laughs> yeah, or spelled Henry. Why didn't Andre have to change his name? That, that's a good point. He didn't go through customs. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think people go through customs. Immigration. That's Ellis Island. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wait, I thought customs was just like, well, you set your baggage. I, I, I used the wrong term. He didn't go through immigration. He okay, came, he came there you go. In, he came there. in illegally. Perfect. Okay, that's cool. Because <laughs> yeah. I thought I was being dumb. Henri is an undocumented immigrant. <gasps> and he's a hero. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. <laughs> Immigrants get things done. Hey. hey. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, he pick, he picks him up, and, and Henri, he lives in the Statue of Liberty. Is that squatting? He, he might be. <laughs> he takes ownership of it. He calls it his statue. Mm. Take my little friend to immigration. You will find your family there. Everyone goes through immigration. <laughs> I would take you there myself, but then I would never finish my statue. His statue. statue. As if he's building it himself. A, w- a wayward pigeon. Wayward. I guess it's just a um, a nod to the fact that the French were building it. I, yeah, it I guess a it, was, it was a gift. Yeah. Um, either way, it's, it, it was as, even as a kid, it was cool to like see something that you were familiar with, the Statue of Liberty, and see it like still under construction, as if you know it hadn't been built yet. It's not the the structure that you see in pictures mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that clip just now is like Henri is like. Oh, yes, everyone goes to immigration. I would take you there myself, but uh, <laughs> they'll catch me there. <laughs> they'll realize I am not dead on our papers. I am not new to this game. But Henri um, and his statue transitions nicely into my second point, which is the music in this movie is terrible. <laughs> Except that first verse of that one song that is also yeah. terrible. Yeah, Um so, uh, Henri, he's got a song called Never Say Never, which is probably the best song in the movie, in my opinion, because it's not the one that makes me want to pull my hair out when I listen to it. So, never say never, say never say never, whatever you do, never say never, my friend. Anyways, it's, it's, Justin Bieber wishes he could be this cool. Yeah, it's, it's very, like, you know, uh, pleasant uh, melody there. Um, but yeah, this is it. This is as good as it gets. You know, so, like, I, I think at this point, if you're going to make an animated feature that goes to the theaters, it has to have songs in it. Kids love songs. Oh, yeah. All of the classic Disney films had songs, you know. Um, I think um, Don Bluth and Steven Spielberg, when they were making this movie, they said to themselves, we want to have our own hi-ho. Like from uh, Sleeping mm. or, uh, from uh, uh, Sleeping Beauty. Sleep, no, 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 no. Snow White. Snow White. <laughs> we want we want our own high ho. Sleeping. So we need to we need to make some some like banger songs that everyone will remember for for generations to come. <laughs> uh, they did not accomplish that in any way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So you got that song. 
We already played There Are No Cats in America. Just to remind you uh, what that sounds like. But, but, but there are no cats this in gross, like, show tune. Jeez. Oh, it's terrible. I can't, I, I'm turning that off. <laughs> uh, and, uh, Your and favorite. It, no, no, no. The, the, I guess my least favorite. Um, we're a duo. Oh. Yeah. That's your least favorite? That's my least favorite. I thought the other one was your least favorite. The Um, one you haven't played yet. No, no. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) Uh, We'll close out with that one. Um, So yeah, there's just... Late in the movie, Fievel gets captured by the the rat. The Mm. evil rat. He discovers that the rat is actually... Is actually what? A cat You're not a rat. You're a cat. How'd you get in here? Come here, you little... I felt like it cut, it cut off an inappropriate word. <laughs> yeah, so, either way, yeah, yeah. So the, the the warranty rat is actually a cat in disguise. He's got a fake nose, and he's putting his ears back. Um, and he he works with a gang of cats. And Fievel gets captured, put in a cage, and he's uh, he's being watched over by a cat named Tiger. But Tiger is actually a good cat. I'm your god, Tiger. Don't make any funny moves, because I'm crib, and I'm quick. I have the instinct of a cat. What am I saying? I am a cat. Dom DeLuise, uh, greatest voices in Hollywood. <laughs> I, did, I do love Dom DeLuise, and I wish he, you know, was in better things than this. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Tiger is, is a good cat. He, he, he quickly befriends Fievel. Uh, they're fast friends, Faster than, you know, makes plausible sense. But you know what? It's okay. The they're they're going to sing about it. They're going to sing about it. <laughs> I can tell we got an awful lot in common. Even no, he's a great voice actor, not a good singer. <laughs> can be. We don't even have to try to see things eye to eye. It just comes to us naturally. Come to think. Are, are you okay with this? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Are, are you are you being sarcastic? <laughs> it's the greatest song. I'm gonna make it um your ringtone. So when Stop you wake being up. contrarian. <laughs> Tell me what you really think about the song. I think there are worse songs. Okay. So I'm like I don't like it, especially when I'm remembering. What about the chorus? The... <laughs> it's. Yeah, I don't want to listen to it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to pull the plug. Right? I'm done. I'm done. No more. <laughs> yeah. This is it's, it's terrible, and, they, and and oh, Fievel gets in there. You know he does. We're friends, and that's what friends are for. We're a duo. <laughs> makes it even worse. That would that like I think that's the thing. I was like, I didn't mind Don DeLuise. This song sounds like, like a marching. Fine. This song, this song sounds like a marching band tripping, like <laughs> <laughs> falling down the stairs. <laughs> It's so bad. It's not good. I will say, like, I honestly didn't mind just on DeLuise. So I was just like, it's just somebody sing-talking. I don't care. But add in that little piece of cheese cracker. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm done. I was just like, shut up. Turn it off. Stuff so his five, mouth. So Fievel's the, the line. Yeah. No more Fievel. <laughs> no more Fievel. Well, that brings us to the last song in the film, <laughs> which uh, was supposed to be the big hit. Shit No. So, yeah, um, I, I got... No. The song... Somewhere out there, it was written by Linda Ronstadt and uh, James Ingram. Um, it was it was written to be like the the big 
cover song or the, you know the big the big bopper song that you play over the credits, the one that gets all the radio airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's 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 good. I'll play a little bit of of the version that plays over the you know over the credits. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like this. It's like this, like ballady, like twinkly, yeah. you know, eighties, yeah, adult contemporary. It's like, fine. You'd hear this in a in a in a doctor's office, you know. Yeah. The elevator. <laughs> okay, let's get James in here. James has got like the voice of chocolate cake. Like, <laughs> listen to that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. yeah. How? But yet. That's but, not the first word you need no, to No, so, so, like, Don Bluth, the, the, the filmmakers, they cut their legs off. They had a pretty fine little song, and it, it's sung, like, right at the halfway point in the movie. Uh, Fievel is still searching for his family. He's looking up at the night sky, and he sings this song out to the world uh, because he knows his family is somewhere out there. And mm-hmm. then his little sister wakes up and does the exact same thing. And they're, like, singing a duet together from across the city. Right? You know, <laughs> Disney in the 90s, they had some they had some they had some movies with songs sung by kids. Mm-hmm. Lion King. Yes. Um um Lion King's a perfect example. You didn't have the the kids actor singing the song. You had another kid come in who kind of sounds like him and actually sing the song mm-hmm. well. Right. Don Bluth didn't do that. No. <laughs> no, he had his young voice actors who I assume this is their first role. Just sing a song. They're not trained, and it comes out just as you'd expect. I want. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hit play on this, and you're gonna tell. You're gonna. You're gonna. You gotta tell me when me? to pull the plug. Yeah, you. Now pull the plug. Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. <laughs> She's she's cracking. She's she's got her hands in her face. She's she's squeezing. She's turned. To the, she's muted herself. No, you don't get to do that. She's cheated. She broke the game. <laughs> I can hear nothing All but right, no, silence. No, no, no. Put him back in. I want I want to play one more point here. <laughs> the the it's sister is singing. She's got a better voice. She's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Fievel's no. <laughs> oh, Fievel. <laughs> I'm sure this kid actor is a great young boy. I don't know about him as an adult. He tried. He tried. He tried. Bluth, you had other options. <laughs> you had Linda Ronstadt to think about. Just like... Have Linda do it, and then just key her voice to a low, like a higher octave. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that just awful. That that it's a, it's a pretty fine song. Just a, <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's a fine song, and they ruined it with these kid actors. <laughs> oh man. I will say, Rodney does not. Rod does not like children singing. I don't. He does Th- not. There like was the there was a survey taken. I I don't have sources on this, but I've heard about it, so it must be true. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Okay. No, I I heard about a survey. I cannot verify, but they said that they they surveyed a group of adults and they asked what is the most annoying sound, and a clear majority said children singing. <laughs> so I'm not alone in this. No. <laughs> Oi. Oh man. All right. Let's let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here with this. Uh, we're gonna. <laughs> I want to talk about this film's legacy. Um, 
By the way, somewhere out there won two Grammys. Oh. Or is nominated for two Grammys. Oh, okay. That makes no, sense. No, no, no. No, no. It won. Oh. It won two Grammys, nominated for an Oscar. That's a prize. Became one of the most popular songs for an animated feature since the 50s. Oh. So, the song, the song the song, was this movie's greatest legacy. Um, as far as reviews go, uh, movie the movie reviewed okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it, I guess it's inoffensive, but as far as money goes, this movie outdrew and outperformed the Disney movie of the same year. Which also had a little mouse in a big world. You know what movie that was? Despero? The Great Mouse Detective. Oh! Yes. Don Bluth and Disney had competing mouse movies <laughs> in the same summer. And Don Bluth won. Good job, Bluthy. Yeah. So that that I, I that, that was like the... I, I'm sure he is proud of that moment to this day. Yeah. You know, he, he, he overcame Disney and he would continue to overcome Disney. Um, for a couple of years. For a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> until he ran out of money again. Um, it was really until Spielberg abandoned him. <laughs> um, Don Bluth, Spielberg, they worked together on 1988's Land Before Time. Oh, right, right. Which outdrew Disney's movie of that year. We'll talk about that. Spoiler. <laughs> um, and then they split um, because Don Bluth wanted more creative control. Uh... Spielberg, one of the most um, amicable people in Hollywood... He, he felt like was too controlling. Oh, wow. So he was like, nope, I'm going to do it on my own. Well. Yeah. I mean, as an artist type, so, I get it. <laughs> so Spielberg retained the rights to the American tale, mm-hmm. like license. Um, and he produced the sequel without Bluth, mm. which is the uh, Five of Goes West, West movie. Right. They released a CBS cartoon. Hmm. Um, based on American Tale, I've never seen. I don't think it. I, I, I had no had idea they existed. It. That. Yeah, and two direct-to-video movies called American Tale: The Treasure of Manhattan Island and American Tale: The Mystery of the Night Monster. Why mm. do those sound like Hey Arnold episodes? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, they kind of do. <laughs> I've never heard of those movies. I've never yeah. seen them. Or I've never been aware of them. Um, and then the uh, American Tale twenty like twenty years after it was released. Was adapted into a god awful PlayStation Two game. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah. I I recommend everybody look up a review of that game by the YouTube channel Folding Ideas because yeah. it's hilarious. I remember I was this movie is like or th- this video game is broken. It's so it's, very it, broken. It's like you know it was made on like a shoestring budget by like a foreign video game studio. It's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, um, where did Don Bluth go? I mean, that's where the American Tale went. What did Don Bluth do after? Releasing this in the Land Before Time. What did he do? Well, he went on to create stinkers like All Dogs Go to Heaven and Rockadoodle. What? Excuse you? <laughs> Excuse you? Not do you it. want to fight, husband? <laughs> Rockadoodle is a masterpiece. <laughs> I don't even care that my levels are probably off the chart right now. How dare you? <laughs> um, I have a funny story about All Dogs Go to Heaven. Don Bluth insisted that... That movie released the same day as Disney's offering of the same year. Do you want to guess what movie that was? 1989. Was it a dog movie? No. Was it Oliver and Company? No, that was your before. That's a dog movie. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> it was The Little Mermaid, oh, which oh, mm. smashed him. Yeah. Destroyed him. Yeah. He would never be the same. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's that's American Tale. That's its legacy. Um, any, any closing thoughts on American Tale? Would you recommend it? No. Never. <laughs> Children shouldn't watch it. Parents shouldn't be sat down to watch it either. Only wish it upon your worst enemy. <laughs> I love you, Bluth. 
Yeah, he's, he's still he's still with us. <laughs> Knock on wood. Hopefully, COVID doesn't get him. Hmm. <laughs> We, 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 he is, he, as far as I know, he is still working on the, uh, Dragon's Lair movie that he's been making for, like, 15 years. What's Dragon's Lair? Dragon's, nope. <laughs> right, it's, it's an arcade game. Oh. That he animated. Yeah. Um, he was in, a uh, Stranger Things. Oh. Anyway, that's that. We're gonna close out with Somewhere Out There, as performed by, uh, Donald Glover and Daniel Pudi from the show yes. Community. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll stick with us. We'll be back after the break. This message. Steven Spielberg presents the story of Fievel, lost in a world of strangers. I'm looking for my family. Along the way, he meets Digit, Bridget, and Tony Toponi, Gussie Mouseheimer, Honest John, and Tiger. You in the front. Higher, higher. America. What a place. An American Tale, a Don Bluth film, rated G. Starts Friday at select theaters. David Bowie song Underground. Much better music in this movie. Why? Why? What, what movie are we watching? Jess's movie from 1986. Labyrinth. Released June 27th, 1986, starring Jennifer Connelly, David Bowie. Directed by the late great Jim Henson. That's right, it's Labyrinth. Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Jim Henson's he's, Labyrinth. He's got the name in it. His name's in the title. What is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I've got uh, the DVD in my we, hands. We, we own the DVD. We own the DVD. And we oh, and we watch it. <clears throat> I shall read the back of the box. <laughs> Frustrated with babysitting on yet another weekend night, Sarah, Jenna, played by Jennifer Connelly, a teenager with an active imagination, summons the goblins from her favorite book, Labyrinth. Stop right there. No! no, no. The, the movie does not make it clear that that is a book that she reads. That's very like, true. Like, it just comes out of nowhere that she knows this incantation to summon the Goblin That's King. That's very true, and I've got some stuff to say about that later, actually. <laughs> Continue. Um, <clears throat> she summons Goblins uh, from her favorite book to take her baby stepbrother away. When little Toby actually disappears, Sarah must follow him into the world of the fairy tale, uh, the world of the fairy tale to rescue him from the wicked Goblin King, Bowie, exclamation mark. Guarding his castle is the labyrinth itself, a twisted maze of deception populated with out- You have 13 hours in which to solve the labyrinth before your baby brother becomes one of us forever. 
populated with outrageous characters and unknown dangers. To get through it in time to save Toby, Sarah will have to outwit the king by befriending the very goblins who protect him in hopes that their loyalty isn't just another illusion in a place where Did, nothing is as it seems. Does she really befriend any goblin in this movie? I wonder if just all citizens of the go- goblin kingdom yeah. are just called goblins. That, that's a good point, because like the in my head, the goblins in the movie are the things that like are in the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, not the characters that she befriends and tags along with her. Right. Um, They're just... Either way, we've learned a lot innocence. from the back of this box. <laughs> we have. I've never read the back Neither of this book. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, where did you first see this movie? Late night HBO. Really? Like as a kid? <laughs> yeah. I like to stay up and watch anime, but sometimes anime wasn't on. Uh, I specifically remember one of the last times I watched this as, maybe it wasn't one of the last times, but a very specific time. I know it was like 11 p.m. or something, and my aunt was babysitting us, and I was in my room because I had my own room at the time. Woohoo! <laughs> Privileges of firstborn! Um, and I like had the TV turned down really low, and I was watching it, and I remember it was about the around the peach part, and my aunt came in, she's like, What are you doing? You should be asleep. And she turned off the TV and took my remote and then left my door open so that um, I, I would be asleep. And mm. I remember being sad about it. Actually, it wasn't that the peach part. It was at the end of the peach part when she was in the junkyard. I remember that because I, I was like, That's like the but cl- I, I need to know. It's like the climax of the movie. Yeah. For people who haven't seen it. Exactly. And I'm like, okay, thanks, Auntie Rashida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I also watched this movie on TV. I, I'm pretty sure it was like, ABC Family, Fox Family, or whatever that channel was at the time. <laughs> um, I I think as a kid, I only saw like the first twenty minutes because mm. I remember little girl in her house being transported to the world of the Goblin King and seeing the giant maze and her like voyaging into it, and that's it. <laughs> I don't remember anything else about the movie from when I was a kid. You're so cute. Stop it. You're so cute. Now. Um, <laughs> So th- this is this is this movie uh, reminds me of why how thankful I am of the internet because mm-hmm. when I was a, a young adult I was like what was that movie with the teenage girl <laughs> and the maze so you Google teenage girl maze movie and you get labyrinth yeah <laughs> so I was like that's it I should watch that so I did and I was like yeah it's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, so it's like I never watched this movie all the way through until I was adult, mm-hmm. which is why it's not my movie from 86. Yeah. Um, it's a close second. Yeah. <laughs> there weren't a lot of movies in 1986 that I, I guess, watched more yeah. than once. Labyrinth was one of them. And then in college, like, we all, all of our friends were, like, into these, like, cult 80s, you know, kids' movies. Cult classics. Yeah, so, like, we, I watched... <laughs> you said, as a kid, we were into these cults. And I was like, okay, yeah. there's another word we, you're we missing. We were into cult 80s movies. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, I, I definitely watched Labyrinth with my friends in college. You know, cracked a beer, whatever it was that we did. Mm. Um, and watched it, and laughed at it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a fun movie. Complain about Jennifer Connelly. Oh yeah, people do complain a lot about young Jennifer. She leave Brittany alone. Someone has been in my room again. I hate, I hate that. that. <laughs> I, oh wait, I missed. I missed the, the best part. I hate it. <laughs> Gosh, she's she whines so much. She's a very whiny girl. 
Very whiny girl. I don't want her death like I did in the last movie. But she's very whiny 15-year-old girl. 16? Someone has been changing my marks. What a horrible place this is. It's not fair. It's not fair. Nothing's fair. <laughs> All right, so uh, want, me to, want me to talk about the background of this movie? Yeah. Where it came from? Uh, director Jim Henson. Um, he is the mastermind behind The Muppets, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, and several other puppet-based entertainment shows. Uh, he's he's like he's like the a pure human being, you know. Yeah. Like he was just you know he 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 loved to create. He was like a like a hippie guy, you know. Mm. He just wanted to make shows about pup, with puppets. Yeah. He wanted Sesame Street to be free to the public, you know. Uh, when he sold the Muppets to Disney, he's like, "You'll never get Sesame Street. Like, <laughs> I'll give you the Muppets, but you can never have Sesame Street." <laughs> The public owned Sesame Street. <laughs> like he, he was just such a good good man. Mm. Um, so Henson and concept designer Brian Froud collaborated on a puppet-led feature film called The Dark Crystal in 1982. Yeah. I've never seen that movie. What? Never seen it. It's on our shelf. Is it? I don't, I'll, I'll watch it. I've heard it was good. Okay. Um, Maybe we'll do that tomorrow. I really want to watch Pleasantville okay. tomorrow, though. Okay. <laughs> um, but reception for that movie was mixed due to the movie's dark tone. Um, and all the... Do, do the creatures all speak in a language that's not English? No, they speak in okay. English. When they were developing that movie, that was an idea that Jensen had. He was like, I want them all to speak their own language, and there's going to be subtitles. subtitles. The whole movie is like... <laughs> I think, you know, the executives were right in this instance where they said, uh, no. <laughs> Children will not be... Yeah. No. It's like, this is a kid's, kid's movie, yeah. Jim. <laughs> I wonder if they did that for when they re, uh, put, revamped it and put it on uh, Netflix? Netflix. I didn't watch it. I'm not sure. Yeah, I haven't seen it. But, um, so anyway... After the, the so with with the the Dark Crystal, they wanted to make something a little bit lighter, something a little bit more kid friendly. So they uh, drew inspiration from their favorite, you know, uh, fairy tales and, and and classical children's entertainment mm-hmm. like uh, Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, and they wanted to make a movie in that vein. You know? Yeah, uh, little girl in a crazy world, <laughs> <laughs> crazy fairy fairy tale world. Uh, they brought on Terry Jones and Monty Python to write the first draft of the script. Oh. Uh, yep. Um, and then Jim Henson brought on his good buddy, George Lucas, who, like Spielberg, was also at the height of his powers. Uh... Well, I mean, his powers were waning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like George Lucas had amazing power right up until when this movie came out and it started to wane <laughs> because people started to realize it's a bit of a fraud. Love George Lucas. He's made some great things. Uh, but, you know. With the help of a team. I am glad that he... Thanks, because of the smart moves he made with Star Wars, had the money to invest in projects like this one. Yeah. This movie not, would not have been made without George Lucas. So, mm. we love you, George. Get well soon, buddy. <laughs> he's not sick. What? <laughs> don't not, don't I, wish that on. No, he's, I mean, he's enjoying retirement. Oh. Yeah, so, you know, enjoy your retirement, buddy. You've earned it. <laughs> so, the movie's about the Goblin King, right? According mm. to Henson, the Goblin King Jareth was originally just meant to be another puppet. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. big old puppet like his goblins... Um, but in developing the scripts, he realized that the character needed a big charismatic star who could change the film's whole musical style, right? Oh. So he considered contemporary musicians for the role, such as... Don't say Michael Jackson. Oh my gosh! Michael Jackson's on the list. (laughs) He considered... Yeah. Okay, pause. Before you say more, I'm just imagining... 
dance, baby dance. Except in Michael's falsetto. And I can't. And I hate it. I hate it. Hey, are there any Michael Jackson impersonators out there? What I need you to do, I need, we're going to create an email. Yeah. And I need you to record yourself singing some of the songs from this in a Michael Jackson voice. Do it. Sorry, who else was on the list? No, I'm thinking like, um, you got to get to the the center of the labyrinth. Sarah. You'll be your brother. No, Michael. (laughs) No, no, Michael. Just let me rule you. Also. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So MJ was was considered a sting from the police. Um, I I think he would have been a little too stoic. Mm. Um, Prince, he would have said no. Good Lord. I... One of my points is about the age difference, and we can't have a super hypersexualized prince with this child. No, no. You're right. Um, and and Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones. Uh. He does have the moves. <laughs> I didn't know this. This is great. This is great information for me. Bowie, yeah. you were the right choice. Yeah, but I, I think we can all agree Bowie was the right choice. Sarah, Sarah. go back to your room. I hate you. Play with your toys and your costumes. Forget about the baby. Forget about the baby. No. That sounded like uh, Dolly. <laughs> Imagine if Dolly. Dolly was Parton as the. Oh yes. The Goblin Queen. The best. Yes. I'm just saying, if anyone wants to meet remake Labyrinth, because I think they're thinking about it, that I'd be down with that. Oh my gosh. But we can't come back and do it, so let it be Dolly Parton, the Goblin Queen. I love it. And then, like, the whole thing at the end just changes because it's a female power dynamic. And it's like, I'll give you whatever you want. Just let me rule you because I am Queen Bee. Yes. I'm here for it. But I have to have my brother back. He's there. In my castle. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I played that. So I just want more Bowie. I think we all disagree. We just want more Bowie. Ah, uh, Senor Bowie. Senor Bowie. <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, um, I got points, I guess. Oh, yeah. I'll start off. <laughs> Sorry. We done with history? Yeah, yeah. We're, done, we're done. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the movie is set in this, like, very, you know, hyper-realized, like, fictional, like, twisted fairy tale world. It's like a giant maze with, like, hedge mazes and walls and, mm-hmm. and swamps and castles. Bogs. Yeah, it, it's... For, to, to realize all of those amazing ideas, they needed a really good production team to pull it off. Gosh, they, they did it. Yeah, they like, did so well. The, my favorite part of this movie is how good the production design is. Yeah. Um, they should win awards. It's like, it, it's like matte paintings and practical effects and real puppets. I love puppets. Okay. <laughs> I, you know. Um, Just not in government. I'm sorry. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We're talking about the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, early in the film, Sarah is introduced to a character named Hoggle. Horrible. No, I ain't. I'm Hoggle. Who are you? Sarah. That's what I thought. So Hoggle is a little... It, it, basically, you know, it's a, he's like a little troll guy. I don't know. Like a, what, 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 yeah, what, what I race guess troll. Would you, dwarf. Hobbit? Dwarf, I guess, yeah. Um, I'm pretty and, sure he's categorized as a dwarf. Yeah, anyway, he's, he's a little guy. How they pulled it off, it is a little person in a costume with a puppet head on. Yeah. Like... It, it's the most complex puppet in the production. Um, basically, you had, like I said, you have a little person in a costume, and then his 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 head is radio control is a radio control puppet with three different operators. 
controlling the eyes and the mouth and the nose, it, everything. Ooh. So you've got imagine being in that suit. You, no, you've got this like remote control head on your, you know, over your head. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's just amazing. One, yeah, that's just one character, and they pulled that off, right? You've got traditional puppets, like a lot of the goblins mm-hmm. in in Jareth's castle are actual puppets. Yeah, and that you've seen pictures of like David Bowie standing on set, and there's like he's standing in a room with like a hundred holes everywhere <laughs> because the puppeteers are underneath the set controlling the puppets. Yeah, some people it, they said it was like two puppets per person, sometimes three. Ooh, yeah. that's a lot. So who controlled the chickens? I, you know, I don't know. But they so that you got you got traditional puppets, you've got remote control puppets, you've got puppets riding dogs. <laughs> True, there definitely is a puppet riding a dog. Um, there are um, people using like their hand. Uh, Sarah falls in a hole at one point, and uh, she meets uh, the Helping Hands. I gotta click for that. What do you mean, help? We are helping. We are helping hands. We are helping hands. She basically, she's in like a, she's in a, like a, a tunnel. What is it? Like a shaft? Yeah. Um, with a bunch talking. of hands sticking out of the wall, and the hands talk to her using just hands. Yeah. Like creating mouths and different shaped mouths and with and different faces. eyes. Yeah. It's from- an- it's a, it's amazing. Yeah, it's a work of art. Yeah, um, they've got set like basically set pieces that talk like giant like stone. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, stone walls that talk with face like stone faces. Those are just giant puppets. You've got dudes in suits, in stilts. <laughs> yeah, um, it's great. Yeah, every, every little piece of this movie is like a you know like a, a technical marvel. I agree. <laughs> it's it's such a beautiful. It's just such like beautiful in its simplicity. I think like even watching it now in 2020, you can be like, it doesn't look dingy. It doesn't look like. Um, like it stands the test of time. Yeah, there's there's only like there are two moments in this movie that has any kind of CGI. CG. Uh, the first one is actually the first CG animal ever created for a movie, and that is an owl that flies over the credits. Yeah, and it's fine. It yeah. looks it looks fine. It's a CG owl, and in fact, um, there was CG in American Tale as well in the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty scene. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. So anyway. Like, 1986, that's when CGI was actually, like, really starting to take off mm-hmm. in movies. So I think that's, you know, we're in a pivotal year in history with that. Um, And then there's a scene where Sarah meets the Fireys. Is that what they're called? They're, yeah. They're, like, stop stop motion? I don't know. Like, Are they? I don't, you, know, they, you know what they might be? They might be people in... So the puppeteers are all in green, like, green suits, mm. like, green screen suits. And they have their puppets attached to their, their feet and their hands. Yeah. And they're, like, dancing. Yeah. Um, so, and then they composite out the people, the that puppeteers. So these like wiry, uh, like furry creatures are like dancing around and taking their heads off. Here, I got a clip from that. I know what we can do. Take off our head. Yeah, yeah, let's take off. <laughs> they're taking their heads off and throwing it around, playing hacky sack with their heads. <laughs> but that's the only scene that looks outdated. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The compositing and the and the special effects look pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> If it's yeah. a five-minute scene in exactly. this whole thing. The rest, everything else looks pristine. Yeah. And real. So good. Yeah. I guess that can transition into some of the characters that she meets along the way. Because, like, about halfway through the movie, um, it basically just becomes the Wizard of Oz again. She meets mm-hmm. three characters, and they all follow her through the next set of adventures and get to the end, right? Yeah. Uh, first character we've already talked about, Hoggle. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the second character is a Ludo, a, a big furry uh, Sasquatch named Ludo. Ludo, is that your name? Ludo. Oh, you seem like such a nice beast. <laughs> I, I hate her. I hate her read on that. I really didn't like the Ludo grunting without the visuals. <laughs> I apologize to anyone. Who- else who felt the way I felt listening to that just now, but Ludo's an adorable little chimney pot. It's not little, it's big. I know, but I just, he's so small in his spirit. Yeah, so he's like this big, giant, uh, uh, furry beast that's just, you know, he's just got a heart of gold. <laughs> he's like a little little puppy. Um, and it's just a big guy in a suit. Yeah. And then uh, they come across Sir Didymus, my favorite <laughs> character in the movie. Stop! Stop, I say! Oh, please, mm-hmm. we have to get across. Without my permission, no one may cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sir Didymus is a little fox. Yes. little fox who's dressed like Puss in Boots. <laughs> He's got a little sword, and um, he guards a bridge, and they convince him to let him pass, and then he just joins their adventure, and he's like this little, uh, like, I don't know, try-hard... Um, <laughs> He is. Uh, very hot-headed. I will say, like, I didn't realize somebody from Mighty, po- Mighty po- Monty Python... Monty Python. Was written on, but I can see in this... Yeah, Sir Didymus... It's very much what yeah, the character Sir Didymus is. is definitely the Monty Python type character. Yeah. Like, almost like, I could just picture the, the Black Knight, you know? Yeah. Oh, tis but a flesh wound, right? <laughs> Sir Didymus is the exact same way. Like, he rushes into danger. He can't stand a, a, a coward. Like, he rides a, 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 a like a scruffy dog. Yeah. And the scruffy dog will, like, run from danger. <laughs> well, he's like, no, you must get, get back in the time. You're going the wrong way. Before this day, never have I met my match in battle. Yet this noble knight has fought me to a standstill. Sir Ludo, if that's thy name. Now I, Sir Didymus, yield to thee. Love that so guy. Cute. So cute. So cute. Um, and I guess the only other thing, like, the, the other big note that I stuck out to me with this movie, especially the thing that stuck out to me as a kid that I then remembered as an adult was, hey, what's the movie that takes place in the giant maze? Mm-hmm. Maze, oh. Giant mazes and such things relate to me because I love video games. <laughs> this movie is totally a video game style movie. Yeah. You can make a, a labyrinth game yeah. pretty easily. What, one with like, almost, you ever heard of Mist? Have mm-hmm. you heard of the video game Mist? No, tell me about it. It's a game that <laughs> takes place on an island, and it's just basically like you go from like you solve puzzles. Like so, you go from like you explore this island and go from like puzzle to puzzle, and you solve. Mm-hmm. You just solve them and try to get to deeper into the island. I guess it reminds me of that. Like I can imagine a labyrinth game where you just like you explore a maze and you get to the end of one section of the maze, and then you got some solve puzzles. It's it's very video game like. Yeah. Very Zelda. I love the Legend of Zelda, and that's just what it reminds me of. I think, but when we were watching, you were saying, like, the maze component has gone. Yeah, and, and then halfway through, the, they, they drop kind of, like, the puzzles and maze thing. Um, it just kind of becomes an adventure movie. But early on, like, she will run into these uh, doormen, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, a red doorman and a blue doorman, and uh, she has to solve a riddle in order to get past them. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do? Well, the only way out of here is to try one of these doors. One of them leads to the castle at the center of the labyrinth, and the other one leads to certain death. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, she has to, like, so one of the doormen only tells the truth, and one only lies. So she has to ask ask 
them one question and then she gets to choose which one is the right door and which mm-hmm. one is the wrong door. Um, which is a very video game thing. Yeah. Or uh, an anime thing. <laughs> I, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! had a very similar <laughs> plot device. Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Uh, no, you can't ask us. You can only ask one of us. Mm-hmm. It's in the rules. And I should warn you that one of us always tells the truth and one of us always lies. That's a rule too. He always lies. I do not. I tell the truth. Oh, what a lie! <laughs> oh, what a lie! I, now that you like think of, like made me think about it, that is definitely some Monty Python like, dialogue. <laughs> Absolutely, like British humor. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, like there's like a bunch of segments like this where mm-hmm. she has to like solve a little puzzle and she tries to outwit the labyrinth by like mm-hmm. drawing like arrows in one direction to see where she's gone. You know. And then that's where we get the the amazing read. Someone has been changing my marks. What a horrible place this is! It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> I really want to see. Yeah. That then. I was gonna say um, that like there's so like even as I think there's so many little things um, and little characters, right? Like the very first. Well, okay, technically after Hoggle. Not, after Hoggle is the little worm. Hello. Did you say hello? No, I said hello, but that's close enough. Yeah, so it's, it's a little worm with a scarf. <laughs> it's just a fuzzy little worm with a scarf, which is adorable. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about how, like, like video game methods, that's not the word, but whatever, uh, and just where she, she was able to get through, and she's like, thanks! And he's like, don't go that way! Oh, I think I have that. If she'd have kept on going down that way, she'd have gone straight to that castle. Which... Had she gone straight to that castle, um, she we wouldn't have, been, have a movie. She, she would have been underleveled. She would have been killed with a Gotham can. That's she true. Was, it's like Dark she, she. It's like Dark Souls. You go in the wrong direction. Uh, you go to an area you're not supposed to yet, and you get killed by the high level enemies. I was actually thinking about. Um, it was like uh, Final Fantasy, where you're like, I mean, you can take the elevator all the way up, yeah. but yeah, it's true. So she took the stairs. That's true. Um, and the man with the hat that talked. <laughs> There's just like a lot yeah. of small characters and little small bits. Mm-hmm. Even even in that that worm scene, like there's just a clever camera trick with yeah. forced perspective. Like mm-hmm. she's staring at what she thinks is a solid wall, but the, the way the camera's positioned, the viewer also thinks, yeah, she's just standing in front of a wall. But it's actually forced perspective where they were make they made it so that a gap in the wall appears as if it was a wall. A wall. It's like. With clever camera moves and like positioning your camera the right way and building your set in a certain way, you can just pull that off. It's yeah. it, no no uh, uh, CGI, no yeah. manipulation. It's just movie magic. This yeah. movie is all about movie magic. Movie magic. Yeah. And then and then like you said, halfway through the movie, it just becomes an adventure movie, and they move through like bogs and forests and, mm-hmm. and uh, like a castle, and it's less. Puzzly, I guess, and more adventure <laughs> Yeah. And, and then they battle an army of goblins. And, like, a fun scene, I guess. Yeah. I always check out around that point in <laughs> the movie. Just like, yeah, we're running around. We'll wait until we get to the stairs. Well, eventually she gets to the castle. Yeah. And she confronts Jareth. And I know that transitions into your point. <laughs> Jareth. No. I know we talked about the other possibilities for who could have played the Goblin King. And I'm saying no, right? The music would be like because the music in this movie is excellent. (laughs) You may leave now. I will finish this podcast by myself. No, like the music is wonderful. I have most of these songs on like in my playlist 
playlist. I mostly these songs on my days. phone. Oh. <laughs> that. You remind me of the babe. What babe? Babe with the power. What power? Power of voodoo. Who do? You do. Remind me of the babe. <laughs> <sighs> I'm leaving now. No. <laughs> Goodbye. Sorry. Um. All that being said, the Goblin King is far too old for Sarah. <laughs> they don't have any romantic blah, 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 but it's heavily uh, alluded to that the Goblin King loves this little girl and he is an ageless creature and I will give that to him. He is an ageless creature. That's not a problem. The problem is David Bowie's not ageless. Yeah, <laughs> The man's got bulge. Let me put oh, it that way. Oh <laughs> gosh. So much codpiece. Yeah. You know, we were talking about this. Well, no, I mean, we were. But um, I was just thinking when we were re-watching it, we were talking about if they remade it that, um, um, Good Lord, what is that One Direction boy's name? Harry, um, Harry Styles. Harry Styles. The, the hairiest style. Would make a good Goblin King. Um, we just need to, like, age up. The, I mean, 16 or 17. No, because like, a 15-year-old girl. Look, I understand. I'm not going to fix it. <laughs> I'm not going to fix this um, because I'm not. It's just one of the things that was just like, oh man, I don't want to like, I'm going to pretend you don't have the hots for this little girl character. Not well, David Bowie. <laughs> well, like, so, I mean, in, 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 a, in like the most pure sense, this movie is just like The Wizard of Oz. It's a girl moving from chi- childhood to adulthood, mm-hmm. right? It, it's just like, a, you know, an honest allegory. Yeah. Uh, it's a tale as old as time, right? But even... When this movie came out, and in years past, the movie is being critically analyzed as, like, a woman's sexual awakening. Yeah. David Bowie is the object of sexuality. I mean, like, in, I'm sure... In, in and out of the movie. Like, in real life, he really is that. I'm, yeah, I'm sure that David Bowie was a, a sexual awakening for many a person. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would not be surprised. Um, I got a quote from, uh... I got some quotes from some critics here. Uh, Sarah's experiences in the labyrinth are symbolic of her transition from child to woman, obviously. And then um, experiences, Sarah experiences the voyage to womanhood, including the hint of sexual awakening in the presence of the Goblin King. I ask for so little. Just let me rule you. And you... It's like the... That's my favorite part. Like... I realize that I'm a woke woman, but I love that line. I'm just like, uh, no, the answer is still no, but just let me rule you. And I'm like, mm, for a second I thought about it and then no. <laughs> yeah. It's like that. That's the climax of the movie. He's confronted Sarah and he's trying to convince her to like stay with him or let him be the, I don't know. Yeah. Be her ser- be his servant. To not win this game. Yeah. He, the, the writing in that scene is excellent. Um, I didn't get all of the clips, but he says things like, I grow tired of, of living up to all of your expectations, you know? Mm. Um, it, it's just like this full of himself Goblin King, uh, and she has to overcome him. Yeah. And his temptations. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then there's the peach. Yeah. So, like, the peach, I've, I've definitely read some some literature of people trying to find symbolism in the peach. She She gets... Roofied by a peach. She gets fed a peach by Hoggle. It's a trick. She has like this like spirit vision where she's at a ball with adults and like she dances with David Bowie and it's a very like sensual scene. Mm. Um, And she wakes up on a pile of garbage holding this rotting peach in her hand. And it's like people have said it's a symbol for like she's been deflowered or 
I hate that. I'm sorry. I do not. I do not subscribe to that. Nope. That's just one, you know, it's just one interpretation. That's fine. There's, you have your interpretation. Yeah, yeah. Either way, but you know, like the peach is a very sexual image. Yeah, it's a butt. Sorry. Talking in emojis. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's also, uh, it's, it's also a lovely princess. That Super oh, yeah. Mario likes to say. Peachy May. <laughs> Peachy Hime. Peachy Hime. Yeah. Uh... Anyway, continue. Oh, all that to be said. You know who also? I, there's a lot of fans. Oh, I'll, I'll get. I can get to that. Okay, yeah. that that's really where I was uh, going next. Yeah, no. I, I'll let me just play the uh, the end of the her her overcoming the Goblin King and his temptations. I guess <laughs> I don't know what other word to use. His offerings. His um. Yeah, like what you offer in a, a truce. It wasn't a truce. His, his, his terms? His terms. You have no power over me. You have no power over me. He, he, he like freezes in place and dissolved into a uh, shower of bubbles. <laughs> yep. she, she's allowed to go home. Yes. And, and be with her brother. Oh man, now she's a woman. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I mean, that, that is like, she has a, she has like this moment where she, she confronts herself in the mirror and she realizes all of the toys and like fantasies of her childhood are no longer, you know, um, like they're, they're like, no, they no longer hold the value that they once did. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like, isn't this stuff junk or is, you know? Yeah. Right. I don't know. But, yeah. But, but I mean, at the end she's like. If you ever need me, if there ever be a need, I need you! And then she parties with all the peoples. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. I think she realizes it's like, she is closer to adulthood, I yeah. guess. Like, she, she's, conf- she's been she's confronted. She's straddling the... Yeah, she's been confronted with responsibility, and now, like, she doesn't have to take the full step, but she has to confront it eventually. Mm-hmm. But those things that she links, uh, she, she holds on to will always be there. Yeah. 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 Uh, let me talk about the... The legacy of this movie. Okay. When it came out, the movie was... It, it, it had a mixed reception. Mm-hmm. Um, people were polarized on the uh, the lead actress, <laughs> young Jennifer Connelly. Um, one review said, Connelly is simply the wrong person for the right job. She has a squeaky voice that begin, begins to grate on you. When she cries, you can see the onion in her eyes. Oh! the poor girl alone. I can't say I disagree. Oh, she's a child. So the movie didn't perform quite as well as everyone was hoping. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is really sad, but uh, Jim Henson's son, Brian, told Life Magazine that this was the closest I've ever seen him to turning on himself and getting quite depressed. Oh, because no. Because the movie didn't perform. Yeah, so poor Jim Henson. Jim, no. Luckily, however, um, the movie did... This and The Dark Crystal got their cult following... Yeah. They're much beloved now. Yeah. Um, so Brian Henson said that his dad was aware of the cult following both movies had by the time of his death in 1990. Mm. He was able to see all that and know that it was appreciated. So it was a happy ending, even though he's not with us anymore. Mm. Uh, rest in power. <laughs> <laughs> so Labyrinth. It has been adapted into a novel, a picture book, a comic book published by Marvel. Oh. And two video games. One for, they're like text adventures. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I've seen clip, clips of one of them where it's like this like pixelated David Bowie as Jareth like, like staring <laughs> at you and you can like talk, you know, it's like, turn left. 
give this to Jareth. I don't know. <laughs> give baby to Jareth. Give baby. Yeah, it's a text adventure. Um, since 1997, there has been an annual two-day event called Labyrinth of Jareth Masquerade Ball, where revelers come dressed in costumes inspired by the film, um, and they've held that in cities such as San Diego, Hollywood, and Los Angeles. Oh, so California. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, you can, yeah, you can go you can go to the Masquerade Ball and uh, be with... Can we do it this year? No, we cannot. <laughs> I, I, I looked it up on the website. Um, the 2020 Masquerade Ball has been postponed due to coronavirus. Uh, smart, smart, smart. Yep, but, but we'll all have masks. It's a masquerade. <laughs> oh, gosh. A medical masquerade. <laughs> that sounds like a My Chem song. <laughs> it does. Um, but... That sounds like a lot of fun. I might actually want to go to that. <laughs> hey, let's do it. In Development is a sequel um, with Doctor Strange director attached. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the right guy for the job. Okay. Marvel's Doctor Strange had a lot of weird imagery. Uh-huh. It could work. Mm. Would you, would you rather have J.J. Abrams on the job? I'm on the fence if I want a sequel. <laughs> but you would want Dolly Parton. Is it a sequel or a remake? It's a, se- it's a sequel. Mm. See, remake I'm down with. Sequel. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you continue. I'll have, go ahead. Also in production, a stage play. Or oh. A musical. So. That's fun. Yeah, that, that would be fun. I'd be down with that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and so that, that's all of the official, <laughs> the official adaptations of the movie. But as I was looking into like the legacy of this movie, it was, Labyrinth was noted as one of the highest sourced properties for fan fiction on the yeah, internet. Yeah, baby. The yeah. fan fiction community loves Labyrinth. Yeah. And I was like, babe, you're on the job. Do some research. <gasps> My research is never going to be as thorough as yours. Uh-huh. And this is the reason I was like, I don't know if I want a sequel. Because when you read as much fan fiction as I do, you're like, look... You either gotta do this one or this one. Who's writing your script? What do you mean sequel? Are we years later with the same characters? Because that's what most fan fiction follows. Mm-hmm. When you go into fan fiction, and uh, I'm specifically quoting uh, Archive of Our Own rather than uh, fanfiction.net or Wattpad because... <clears throat> Those are terms I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Oh, you want me to... There are lots of different... Um, Sites with which you can access different... Uh, well, people can post their fanfiction online. Archive of Your Own, AO3, is um, one of the most popular ones. So you do kind of have to... Whatever. Fanfiction.net is mm-hmm. uh, what I first used. Well, actually, no. The first time I ever read fanfiction was off of DeviantArt. Um, and then there's Wattpad, which we're not going to talk about Wattpad. No shame to you if you read Wattpad. Or write Wattpad, but we're not talking about Wattpad. Slash fiction? No. (laughs) You can find slash fiction on any of these (laughs) platforms. Um, And there are plenty more. Like, you can find stuff on LiveJournal. People are still doing that. (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) And Tumblr. And, like, lots of... There's lots of places. And just also just regular domains. People take out domains and post their fanfiction. I love fanfiction. Hey, anyone out there that writes fanfiction, you're doing God's work. Why? Because sometimes we just want to see more of the things that we love. But, you know, the people who made it don't want to. So there are people with great writing skills, great writing skills out there that help us. There are also some people with less great writing skills. You know, you just need to keep working on it. Yeah. It's perfectly fine. So you did a deep dive into Labyrinth fan fiction. 
What did you find? Did you find any good stuff? <clears throat> I found good stuff that I enjoy. The beautiful thing about fanfiction is that it's literature. And so you can find anything that you want, um, trope-wise or anything. But I did just do a general search just to see, like, what the top popped up, right? So uh, the most, what I did, the most commented on AO3 uh, without filtering anything else. And, <laughs> like, the first 20 were crossover fix. Which, do you know what a crossover fix is? I, I can assume it's it's Labyrinth crossed over with something else. Yes, with another property. Like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Or? <laughs> <laughs> the top ones are Harry Potter. Oh. Yeah. And the Marvel, the MCU. Ew. I hate it. <laughs> like, those don't work at all. I, I like, was looking at these and I was like, cool, cool, cool. I'm going to filter these out because I don't particularly like crossovers. I can see it, right? There was one that I opened that I was like, okay, I'm going to read this. Um, to see, I tried to like read a couple of chapters of some of them and the writing style wasn't for me, but like, I can see how they cross over. But the ones that I, I, you're, I he I'm, I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm trying to think of like what I would cross it over with. I'm like, Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> Here's the thing that you're supposed, the thing that you should cross it over and people don't necessarily Who do I think about this. Jared kiss? <laughs> a grown Sarah. <laughs> Which is why these usually happen. They're usually placed 10 years after the ending of Labyrinth. Um, and the ones that I enjoy the most have crossovers, uh, air quotes, with uh, different pantheons. So you can have, there's like some Nordic ones, which is also why sometimes the MCU gets in there because... Jareth kisses Thor. <laughs> Jareth most, most likely kissed Loki, let's be honest. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> um... And they'd be negging each other like often. <laughs> oh gosh, uh, they'd be getting into a lot of trouble. It'd be fun. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm thinking of a different crossover now. But um, yeah, so there's just like a lot that takes place, and they're really fun. And I think the thing that like the thing about it uh, is that fan fiction writers, good ones. Um, do a lot more research. So like stuff where you're like, I didn't realize that Red Book was supposed to be the labyrinth. I was like, oh, I knew that. Why? Because I read fan fiction mm. and that mess is in there. Mm. <laughs> and um, that that's why she's quoting it. Like, because this is how the story is supposed to go or whatever. Um, I saw that you were reading one about to Toby as a young 10-year-old boy. He is a young 10-year-old boy because it's 10 years later. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I want to... <laughs> plug it but uh no no throw it out there yeah well well see here's the, also the thing uh fan fiction uh lots of different tropes lots of things and especially when you're ao3 it like gives you ratings and for most of these they are m-rated mm. which either means blood gore or sex so be be warned so be warned um but this specific one that i was reading which i thought was pretty interesting let me get the title it's called Tanglewood. And Tanglewood? Yes. And it's not it is unfinished. Is it a is it a crossover with Tangle? No. Oh. Tanglewood is it's named after a poem. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful. <laughs> and um the story here is it's ten years later and Sarah is in a grad program. She's about twenty six, I mm -hmm. think, because it's ten years. I can never remember if she was fifteen or sixteen in the the it's movie. One of those two. Yeah. So she's in a grad program where she is studying um Medieval literature. No, Nordic oh. and Icelandic. Okay. And so she's um, a historian doing different things, but also studying out myths and stuff. A uh, She's writing her, her they thesis. They got an F on this report. It's not fair. Stop. 
she's writing a thesis, uh, which, you know, is a lot of fun. And a book that they uh, were waiting for is now in their, like, special chambers where you got it. And she's looking through it and it ends up being, like, uh, something that was sent to send her, like, pull her back into this world, which she's pretended for the last 10 years it never happened. Like, it was just a vivid dream, Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to think about it. Ha 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 ha. And I'm going to give a little spoiler away, but you see it coming very, very early. It happens about chapter four. Um, But, like, there is a new child, right? Like, so uh, Sarah's 26, Toby's 10, but um, her dad and stepmom had another kid, and Toby's jealous. (laughs) And so what does Toby do? He wishes her. He wishes the new kid away he's, because yeah, Sarah yeah. never told him like that this is a thing that's possible. Like at the very beginning, she's like, "Never wish for things you don't know." Like she's being very stern about it, but she's not like outright saying it. So the adventure is okay. We got to go get the other one. Yeah, he has a speech like this. <laughs> I can bear it no longer. Goblin king, goblin king, wherever you may be, take this child of mine far away from me. Yes, <laughs> that. Um, but. It's it's it was it's a fun read. I got through uh, most of the chapters. It does get a little racy. Skip over that if that is not a thing for you. Um, but otherwise, it's so well written. The prose is beautiful and wonderful. Like I stopped in a lot of places. The descriptions are great. I like it. And then the characters are like you know, Sarah's an adult and whiny and super stubborn. She's not whiny, but she's very stubborn. Um, but yeah, if you want to, I don't Financial know. Financial have- aid didn't come in again. It's not. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, AO3. It's called Tanglewood. It's by Viciously Witty. All right. Um, I'm still thinking of things that I want to see crossed over with uh, Labyrinth. I came up with uh, Shawshank Redemption. What? Do the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Angels in the Outfield. Uh, American Tale. <laughs> no. All right. Um, that Those were our movies from 1986. Uh, runners Up. Runners up, I'm running with my feet up. So, uh, actually, Rodney, didn't your only runner up for '86 was the Labyrinth? Labyrinth. Yeah, I '86 was a void of movies because uh, we couldn't find anything that remotely came close to American Tale. Yeah, Labyrinth was it. Why do you hate me? I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried to talk him into saying, well, maybe Labyrinth's your movie and I can take one of it's, my runners up. No, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't lie to myself. Lie to your wife. <laughs> Don't lie to your wife. Um, my runners up uh, were The Great Mouse Detective. The, the movie that American Tale smashed. So. Yes, but had we watched with that, ah, who knows. No, no, that, that movie's good. Yeah. Great Mouse Detective is a better movie than... Oh, I agree. Than the, but is it a good movie? I think it's good. Okay. It's, it's the best 80s Disney movie. I think. Okay, fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, my next one was Castle in the Sky, which is a Studio Ghibli movie. It's good. Um, which I'm glad we didn't watch. <laughs> that if we if you like, Labyrinth is very Zelda. Mm-hmm. Uh, Castle in the Sky is very Final Fantasy. Yeah, I really like. I said I'm glad we didn't watch, not because I don't like it, because obviously I watched it a lot, but I, it's just like I've watched it a lot, so it is very vivid in my brain, and I'm like, I don't want to rewatch that. Maybe it should have been the movie. Mm. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and the last one on the list was Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. Oh. <laughs> we have a cartoon from America, a cartoon from Japan, and then Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yep. This this is what it looks like. I do a lot of strange, different media. All right. Uh, with that, we're going to close it out. Um, 
You can follow us on Twitter at Media Made Show. <laughs> um, what do you got? You got any plugs? Anything, uh, anything you're working on? Yeah, I have uh, I have a YouTube channel where I post up stories and other things that I do with my friends because I'm a writer, which is why I talk so long about fan fiction. <laughs> um, that is Taming Tales on YouTube. Ta- uh, tale is an American tale or tale is in a tale as old as time? I feel like American Tale was Tale as old as time no, spelled. No, American Tale is T-A-I-L. Oh. So Taming Tale. T-A-L-E. Taming Tale. Taming Tale. Taming Tale. Taming Tales on uh, YouTube. I have a YouTube channel as well. Um, I talk wrestling. So if you don't want to hear me talk about... Uh, if, if you liked me talking about uh, 1986 animation and you think, hey, I'd like to hear that guy talk about men uh, in tights. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so dearly. Just, You're my favorite. <laughs> anyway, look, look me up. I got a YouTube show with some friends called Keep Kayfabe. Kayfabe is spelled K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. It is a show where we explore the careers and characters of our favorite wrestlers. Uh, we're currently in a deep dive into the career of Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat. So if that is your thing, look us up. Mm-hmm. Um, I also write for a Legend of Zelda website called ZeldaDungeon.net. News, reviews, features, uh, debates, <laughs> polls. A lot of fun stuff if you like Zelda. And sharks. And sharks. You know, hey, check us out. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're, if you're a Labyrinth fan... You might also be a Zelda fan. You just don't know it. True. Check, check us out. Um, and with that, we're going to close out with the, uh, the standout song from Labyrinth, Magic Dance. Good night, everybody. Who said? Dance, magic dance. Dance, magic dance. Dance, magic dance.